All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of hypotheticals, lots of, we finally get the answer from KFG about the original JKD or JKD concepts. Let's get to it. And every day, I practice martial arts. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? I'm doing okay today, Sifu. I feel like I've seen you all day yeah. for some reason. Right now, we're recording our second episode of the day. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like Yogi Berra said. It's like deja vu all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Why would Yogi Berra say that? Yogi Berra. Yoga Berra. Oh. Okay, he's, I he's got a, that. Uh, uh, radically right. wrong. He's a baseballer. Yeah. He, he's a know. baller. He doesn't know these things because yeah. he's from, you know. Is he from Jellystone Park? He's from the land of crumpets. All right. <laughs> oh. Okay. Boy, All right. Okay. Pizza so what you, what you got for me? We got another Ask Me Anything episode. Ask Me Anything episode. Uh, you know, it's been a while since we did a topic episode. We did a couple. Oh, you know, we have to do Yip Man uh, part three. We haven't done Crazy. that. Yeah. So we got that. We'll probably do that one next because we're fresh out of ideas. You know what else I thought? We, I what? feel like there's like a minute left on one of those Bruce Lee inf interviews. Oh, there is. Done. There is. From like Maybe way, we'll do a catch back. up. Yeah. Or we, you know what? We should do like a Mia Culpa episode where I, I discuss all the things that in hindsight, I think I got wrong on previous episodes of the podcast, uh, like maybe facts or things that I got wrong or stories that I got wrong. You know what's interesting? After the first uh, Yip Man, we did the Yip Man story, the real mm -hmm. Yip Man story. We talked about his early time period. I got an email from someone who is a student of, um, I, I suppose he would be a grand student of one of Yip Man's. Uh, Fatsan era students. And these mm -hmm. are the guys who learned from Yip Man before Yip Man came to Hong Kong, right? So before, um, before he came to Hong Kong and formally started teaching, uh, he had a few students in mainland China, which, you know, I'm under the impression he was teaching them mostly, uh, mostly for fun to kind of keep up his skills. But be because he had a, uh, you know, he came from means, he had money, he really never needed to teach for fin financial reasons mm -hmm. until he came to Hong Kong when he was basically dead broke after he lost everything. So he did have a few students in China that he taught, from what I understood, a little bit more casually and perhaps not as seriously and not all of the stuff that he later ended up teaching in Hong Kong. And then I got a, a message from someone who was a grand student of one of those guys who told me basically everything I said in that podcast was wrong. So, Ooh, um, yeah. which is interesting because when it comes to the early period, which was what that first episode was about, what we, what we don't know about Yip Man before mm -hmm. 1949, we can write, we can fill volumes and volumes of books because that is the, that is the big black hole of Yip Man's life, right? Um, he, he only talked about it, um, from what I understand, uh, very rarely, even, like his students, they would hear little, they would hear little pieces and fragments of what, mm -hmm. what his life was like in China before Morsels. he came. Yeah, and, and beyond that, we know what he wrote in the two interviews uh, with New Marshall Hero Magazine about like when he started, like he was 11 years old, he started with Chan Wa Sun, how many, how many tales of silver he had to pay to start learning, mm. and, and all of those kind of things. But there's still these huge, like cavernous gaps between you know this fact and this fact, and there are huge cavernous gaps between this time period and this time period. And so, um, yeah, this guy contacted me on Facebook. I'm not going to say his name yet until I confirm that, um, you know, maybe we'll have him on the podcast because 
obviously, as he's, oh, a wow. as he's a grand student of someone who learned from one of Yip Man's rare Chinese students, he has a very different narrative about what Yip Man did in that time period. Because to, to be honest, most of the Hong Kong-based Wing Chun guys, like the, the students who are descendants of Yip Man's Hong Kong period, which is the lion's share of people who do Wing Chun, they're pretty dismissive of Yip Man's Chinese students, his mainland Chinese students. Um, and there are reasons for that. And, you know, I have to say, I probably also fall into that category right. because from what I've seen personally from what those guys kind of did, it wasn't anything that blew my socks off, right? And uh, I, I, I tend to kind of feel that, you know, the one advantage the Hong Kong students had is that the Wing Chun that they were being taught was put under the pressure cooker of the Hong Kong martial arts scene. Wow. Because it's one thing, like, let's say you learn a martial arts style in this case in, you know, in, in the early 20th century, mid 20th century, I should say, from your teacher. And you're doing it kind of for fun, yeah. right? You go, you show up, you learn your forms, you do some chi sao, and you hit the wall bag, and then you get your lessons from your teacher. And it's another thing when, say, for example, Wong Sun Leung takes the stuff that he was learning from his Sifu, and then goes out and tries to scrap with people from other martial arts styles and then uh, sees, you know, what works really good, what he needs to improve on and what needs to change. So then what happens is this you have this pressure cooker of testing it against the other styles. And that's naturally going to create variation. So it's possible that the students in the Fatsan area era saw some of the things that the Hong Kong guys were doing, like, well, that's different or that's not. And they, would, they might reflexively say it's not correct. But the mm -hmm. difference is they were actually out, they were sticking their necks out there, fighting other martial art guys, and then making adjustments as, as necessary in terms of how it was being trained and all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, you could, you could not have someone like Bruce Lee if not for that time period of how Wing Chun developed. Because he learned at the time his Si Heng Wong Sun Leung, who we respected very much, was someone who was going out there and, and getting fighting experience. And, and Bruce was going out and getting fighting experience, right? So that meant that even in the few years that Bruce had learned Wing Chun, before he came to the States, he had already been in a few scraps. He had already had his boxing match with Gary Elms. He had already kind of tested himself a little bit and was a little bit more confident in what he was able to do and also probably pretty sure of what he was not able to do yet. Because if you actually go out and scrap and fight and spar or test your skills among peers or people in other martial arts schools, you're going to find maybe that you can do some things well and other things you can't do well. All right. And some things that you thought might be you know, really effective in training when you went and tried it out, it ended up not being as good, right? But the only way you're going to find that out is in this pressure cooker of modernity, of trying things, of testing it out. And from what I understand, I don't think that the early Fatsan students had that opportunity the way the Hong Kong guys did. So for me, that's the reason why I tend to be a little bit more dismissive of those guys, not because there's anything wrong with the way they did it or their forms are wrong. I just go, well, where are all the stories of those guys in China? from Yip Man, I'm just talking about Yip Man's two, three students. I'm not talking about the people now in China. I'm talking about then. What's the stories of them going out and, and fighting all of these different guys and coming back to Grandmaster Yip Man with questions about, well, I tried this and this didn't yeah. work so good or how can, you know, can I do this? Like there's the famous story about 
you know, Wong Sun Leung, um, you know, uh, asking Yip Man about the use of the Gan Sao in the sixth set of the Siunam Tao form because it wasn't there before. It was just Jum Sao and then he got kicked. So then they went and changed it. And these are changes, oh, wow. these are changes that are happening from practice. So these are effective and practical changes, in my opinion. These are not just things that are kind of concocted in a lab without testing them out. You know, these things are really put to the test. So um, that, that's the reason why. Now, this guy who contacted me, he was pretty adamant that I had gotten a number of things wrong about Yip Man in his early time period. Oh, right. Now, of course, where did I get that information from? Well, I just I got it from the books that I've read. Yeah. Okay. And there's absolutely no guarantee that anything I wrote, uh, read in those books was correct. It's just what was written down. So he feels that he has a counter narrative to give. So maybe we'll do an episode where like I bring him on and then we can go, okay, well, tell, tell me the things that you think I got wrong. All right. But the only thing I'm going to do, and it's not to put him to a higher standard as anyone else, is that my follow up question is, how do you know? Because if the answer is, this is what my Sivu told me. Okay. Well, then that puts you literally in the same position as the people who say the opposite of what you say. And then you go, well, how do you know? Well, my Sifu told me. Okay. So the thing is, you know, I, I perhaps, uh, and I'm pretty sure that I said things in that uh, Yip Man part one and part two that are not 100% correct. Which throughout those episodes, I was constantly, look, I don't really know. I read this once. Mm -hmm. I heard this once. So-and-so says, right? I always try as best as possible to kind of put caveats and hedge everything I say in that, like, look, I'm just, re I'm basically doing a book report on things that I read. Oh. All right? I'm not, this is, none of this is coming firsthand. I didn't live in that time period. So um, what I want to know is if someone has a counter narrative to what I have to say, what makes that person any different from me other than he has another opinion in terms of your source? Mm -hmm. If your source is more credible than mine, and then how do you know that it is? Yeah. All right. Otherwise, look, I, I know all the stories that are also against Yip Man. You know, a lot of the stuff that comes out of the Yun Kei San camp and stuff like that. And what you realize is probably the truth is somewhere in between, right? Because everyone likes to prop up their man. Mm -hmm. If you're an early, if you're a descendant of Yip Man's early period students, and we've discussed this on the podcast many times, if you're a descendant of someone who learned in Yip Man's pre-Hong Kong time, then dollars to donuts, you probably think that somehow that Wing Chun is more superior, because it's the Wing Chun. Now, I, I, like, and I've said this it's before. Like the original. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I've never met someone who did a Wing Chun style that didn't think that their Wing Chun style was somehow better than everyone else's. <laughs> I, I never had someone come up to me and go oh, like, Wing Chun uh, I've been practicing this Wing Chun style for 20 years. <laughs> and it's definitely not as good as this other Wing Chun style. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You've never heard that because people will constantly justify uh -huh. the decisions that they make, the Wing Chun school that they chose, the style or lineage that they do or teach or represent what? as somehow being the best version of it. What and I if, teach sucks, but you yeah, should learn Yeah, what I teach it. sucks, but there, this other guy's way, way, way better. But, you know... You should learn from me, though. You should learn from me because um, I, I really like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the thing is that everyone, and even if they don't say it explicitly... Mm -hmm. You know, because everyone wants to be somewhat PC and everyone wants to be, uh, uh, you know, show other instructors face and they want to be uh, respectful in the Chinese martial arts community. So everyone's like, oh, you know, oh, we're all one family. And I, I believe in all that stuff, too. But I'm, I'm also pretty sure that when you close your doors and talk to your students, mm -hmm. 
that you have a much more political narrative about what you do and what you teach compared to what other people do than you maybe say publicly. Mm. So that means to a certain degree, we're all in the same boat. So someone having a difference of opinion to me does not, um, that, that, that doesn't stir the pot for me. That just goes, okay, you have a difference of opinion because you come from a different lineage. But tell me why I need to change my opinion on this. What are the facts that I'm getting wrong and how do you know that those are facts? Because if you just come to me with another story, then what I'm gonna do is this. The so-and-so lineage believes that this is the story. And then I'll say, this lineage believes that this is the story. This lineage believes that this is the story. Mm. But I'm not gonna mm. go, so-and-so told me this is the story and now I totally gotta believe that unless you have a high threshold for evidence. Otherwise, look, all of Chinese Kung Fu history is a hot dumpster fire of nonsense. It's all stories told over dim sum. And you believe the ones you hear because they're told to you from your Sifu or your Sizok or Sibak or whatever. And those people are swell people and you like them. Yeah. So you apply liking bias to the stories you hear from the lineage you come from. And now suddenly anything that's a counter narrative is either political, wrong, or um, incomplete. So, um, so anyway... Maybe we'll do an episode where I just talk about all the stuff I messed up or just have oh. people tell me how wrong I am. Sort of like the debunk episode. Yeah, I debunk myself. Yeah. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Okay. And, and every once in a while I need to do that. Yes. Is Mia Copa like Mia Khalifa? Man, this guy right here. This guy is always on that tip. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> well, all right, I mean, you got to leave that, that alone. Mine. All right. <laughs> Jeez. Hey. Keep it kung fu, man. Yeah, keep it kung fu, man. Oh, we'll keep be it here. kung we fu. Got the, we got, the, we got, the, we got the, the kitties listening That's here, man. That should be some high kicks. Jeez. That should, that should be like some swag we would call. Yeah. God, keep man. it kung fu. Yeah, I don't want to know what's in his browser oh history. All right, let's, all right, let's get going. What you got for all me, right, man? First off, we got uh, Dr. Eisen. Oh, come on. I, he's right first here. First off, don't we usually finish? He's right here. Don't we usually off. finish with that well, nonsense? I mean, yeah, no, well, I mean, the doctor, I mean, he's... Well, he's, he's, he is he's, a doctor. He's, a, he's, he's a legit, isn't he? Yeah. Right? Was it? Yeah. A, a diploma from the Oscar Pistorius School of Podiatry? <laughs> Oscar Pistorius. That's, That's absolutely Ouch. terrible. You guys are definitely going I, to hell. I, All right. What do, what do we got hand, here? Yeah. Coach handbag. Yes. In a coach handbag. Hey, Kung Fu Genius listeners. If you're a Wing Chun practitioner, especially from the WT or Learning line, and want to get really personalized immersion training with me, you can now apply to do an immersion course with me here in NYC, or if you like the sun, in my Florida home near Orlando. These courses are for instructors or anyone who's serious about learning the art in detail and working hard. I teach in program blocks like Siunam Tao, Chum Q, Buji, Wooden Dummy, and those include the Chi Sao Theory, Fighting Applications, and Training Methods as well. If you're really serious about learning Wing Chun, check out the link in the description below to find out about applying for a spot. For those of you who are not quite ready to do full private immersion training, you can also apply for a spot at either our winter or summer intensive training camps. We have a few spots available for non-city Wing Chun students, so apply today. A link for those options are in the description below. And now back to me. So uh, he is asking, okay, I have analyzed two seasons of the KFG. Okay. And he's analyzed two seasons, just two, even though we only did two. We do. Oh, I, yeah. yeah I'm okay. more interested if he'd done three seasons. He needs to catch up. <laughs> I know. He needs okay. to catch he up. He needs to catch up, right? We okay. need to catch up to him. Oh, we need to catch up to him. All right. <laughs> so 
two seasons of a, and somehow you've always skated the topic of original JKD versus the JKD concepts. I've I've skated the you've topic. You skated around it. Skated what? around it. What okay, it tell what what did I skate around? Tell me. You, Sifu Alex. That's what it says. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, sounds, sounds like a bunch of hot bullshit. Wait, he's always like, you, Sifu <laughs> Alex, and then he points to the screen. All right? First of all, if you're reading something, you just straight read it. You don't go, you, Sifu Can you imagine writing something? You, Mikey Dean. All right? Sounds very yeah. passive aggressive. Yeah, I know. Jeez. I don't know why he wrote that. He might be a he's doctor, just, but his writing yeah, style is horse shit. He's, he's terrible. A, yeah, yeah, he's a shit style. Yeah, writing style. Whatever out of here you need to come clean and let us know what you believe is the correct okay jkd so dr eisen is holding my feet to the yeah. fire what is correct jkd concepts or original jkd That's what he because wrote. i quote unquote skate the answer i guess every that's time a question is, is that a question yeah, that's his question. Is it ever this a is question? A demand. Is it ever he's a demanding question? He's guy. demanding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a questioner. He's a demander. Okay, so now I'm being put in a position where I'm forced to answer this, okay? What's up with that? So I can't back out. <laughs> Would you want to? Is it an A and B choice? So There's one has one or see your way out. Yeah, yeah. or see I want to see my way <laughs> out no of this question. This one. First of all, I'm not a Jeet Kune Do practitioner. So I have no skin in the game. And, and the thing is, it literally doesn't matter what my opinion is. If someone practices JKD, stop pointing at that shit like you're he reading says, something. I know you're not a JKD practitioner. Did he just what? But every time someone he asks literally just you, added that. He no, just it's right there. Are you going to keep every adding shit to the question? Every time someone as I, asks you about this, you skate like back in the day when you were on that skateboard. What? Is that the end of it? He literally says that. Is that the end of the question? I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, you don't know? I'm not going to start answering and then suddenly more caveats are going to come out in the question. How does he know he used to skate as well? Yeah, I know. How does he know know he used to be a skateboarder? He says, stop being so goofy-footed. Wow. He even knows I was goofy-footed. Jesus. I don't know how he knows all Jesus this Jesus. How does he know all this know yeah, exactly. He's how analyzed he's a lot. He's definitely he's a, a doctor. Yeah. He's definitely analyzed. He's, yeah. Yeah. So, he's, he's okay. So, all right, but look, here's the thing. I'm not a JKD practitioner. We have, we have some JKD practitioners who listen to the podcast because yeah. of the Bruce Lee stuff. Probably not so much anymore because we haven't talked much about Bruce Lee in the last few man. episodes. They're probably like, ugh. Yeah. Why, why are you talking about all the IP man stuff, right? Uh, he's absolutely not relevant to, uh, to Bruce Lee. So, um, Bruce Lee fatigue. Yeah. Bruce Lee gone fatigue, away. right? It's gone away. It's coming back. <laughs> I'm coming back into my Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee mode here, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, no, I really have to say it doesn't matter what my opinion is, right? The thing is that if you have a podcast or mm-hmm. you have any kind of platform, then you're expected to have an opinion about everything. All right. Mm-hmm. And, people, and, and it's also the problem with social media. Someone posts something. And you don't like it, and people feel compelled that they need to comment on it. It's like you can also not comment on it because this thing is not capable of triggering you, right? Or you know, if you don't feel that there's any goodwill in the comment, or you feel nothing good is going to come out of the transaction, you can just let it go. 
All right. Or you can do the other option, which is I just feel, uh, you know, we sometimes get weird trolling comments here on YouTube and I just like to troll people back sometimes. Oh. It's kind of funny. No. Um, but, you know, other than that, it's like, no, I'm very agnostic about my belief in whether one is better than the other because I f quite frankly don't care. Is that the word? Agnostic? Yeah. I, hmm. I actually totally understand both arguments. Ooh. I, I totally get it. And if I had an original JKD practitioner in front of me, mm -hmm. I would be kind of more swayed to kind of follow their way of thinking. And if I had a JKD concepts person, I'd be kind of more swayed that way there because uh, it's, for me, it's a bit nebulous. I don't have a fixed opinion on it because it doesn't really bother me either way. Mm. And I also feel that it's very un-Bruce Lee-like. I guess it bothers to, Dr. Eisen. Yeah, but it's very un-Bruce Lee-like. Oh, okay. To dig in your heels about having an opinion one way or another. Wow, what do you All think right. Bruce Lee's opinion would be? Um, Had he Bruce Lee still been here? Bruce Lee said it in his notes. Yeah. He says, if people, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, this isn't the exact quote, but he said something to the effect of, if Jeet Kune Do is just a name, if people fuss over it, mm. let it go. All right? Or be rid of it altogether. Okay? So I think Bruce would be very dismayed by all of the bickering mm. because the bickering is that's the whole martial arts establishment that he was railing against. And now he's dead and people are bickering as to which way is the correct way in terms of Jeet Kune Do and what Bruce Lee did. Man. And if you read his notes, I think that that would, I think that he'd be kind of pissed off about that, right? At least publicly. Maybe, maybe inwardly, there'd be part of him that'd be flattered that he's, you know, he goes, I mean, I mean, we don't know what the, you know, because we all have our, we all have our kind of public face and then we all have our private thoughts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more, open and honest someone is, the more those two things are closer together, your public face and what you actually think. But there's also problems with, you cannot ever be completely open publicly because mm. you sometimes don't want to say things to not hurt someone's feelings, right? So I don't know, I, I would hope that Bruce Lee's public statements about Jeet Kune Do and the openness of his concepts and ideas and his very kind of like anti-establishment way of creating a martial arts style, I suppose, mm -hmm. is also 100% the way he felt about it. But I don't know if like he ever had some secret thoughts about um, the legacy of Jeet Kune Do existing beyond his death. Mm. And there might have been part of him that wanted that to continue to serve as, you know, what he calls like JKD is just the, the finding the root of his ignorance, right? The problem is that the moment you establish a name as something, as a set standard of martial art techniques or even concepts, even if you just say Jeet Kune Do is a name that is just about, uh, it's for a martial artist to explore the, the root of their ignorance and to break those bounds, you, you establish something that can be crystallized, which is against what he wanted. It's, in my opinion, it's, a, it's actually the, the, the issue with a lot of uh, Buddhism. Because uh, Buddha, wow. Buddha was not a deity. He wasn't a god. Yeah. And He's he never professed it. He, 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 he had He's come up with this eight, eight, you know, eightfold path to enlightenment, which is about how to relieve yourself of the suffering 
that goes on in your mind constantly. I mean, if you ever just sit alone with your own thoughts, your brain is constantly going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. And a lot of the chatter in your mind is usually, it's not, I mean, for some people, it's obviously way worse if they have depression and stuff like that. But for the most part, the chatter that's in your mind is not positive. And I don't mean it has to be overwhelmingly negative, but I mean like your worries and everything like that. And like, mm. what are you going to do later? And what's going on? And how you don't like this thing or that thing or whatever. So you have these like, you have this stuff. And what, what, what Buddha decided is like, like there, is, there is a path to kind of free yourself from that self-created suffering. And the first thing is to realize that the voice in your head that's telling you all these things is the same thing as the feeling. That they're actually one and the same. Mm. And if you can understand that, you can, you can start on this path to alleviating misery, all right? And then so there are a lot of people who practice in that tradition of Buddhism, which is like freeing yourself from your own suffering, right? But then Buddhism has also become a religion where you have different sects of Buddhism and temples and Buddhist deities that you have to pray to and worship and stuff like that. And that had nothing to do with anything that the Buddha himself supposedly professed. God. So I kind of look at like Bruce Lee's JKD a little bit like that. Like if JKD is just supposed to be a framework to kind of break away the shackles, the, 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 the man forged manacles of the following the style and, and the tradition and never breaking away and never finding your own way of doing things. It's about opening your mind. It's very 60s, right? Hmm. Um, and, and seeing the, the problems with the institutionalization of martial arts then institutionalizing Jeet Kune Do is like creating, turning Buddhism into a religion with deities that you have to pray to. That's okay? interesting, because he called his, his school an institute, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but I, 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 that, that, that's I, a different definition I, yeah. of that word there, right? right. So, so I think that if you really just kind of sit and read it as an outsider, mm -hmm. okay, you go, I don't think he cared much for the name and I don't think he cared much for the name existing beyond his expiration date I just think that he probably would have assumed he would have had more time here to clarify those things maybe at some point he would have banished the name Jeet Kune Do and said no I've also created a problem with this name like you should just call it you know your own way of doing things mm. and don't establish it as a style it's interesting to see what he would have done philosophically with that name jeet kundo had he lived another 40 years would he have standardized the the program the concepts the ideas or would he have eventually gotten tired of it and tired of people using that name for their own ends or for their own promotion we'll never know that right we can only assume maybe from what he wrote that he might have gotten tired of people bickering over it had he lived right and that's what you can see when you look at it as an impartial outsider you look you read it you go it's very clear he did not want people fussing over the name so i think the fact that they would even have been a schism between original jkd that means the people who practiced jeet kundo as a set of techniques and principles more or less the way bruce lee did it while he was alive okay Versus the people who practice quote-unquote Jeet Kune Do concepts, which aspire to follow the conceptual ideas of Jeet Kune Do and perhaps use that as a way to bind different martial arts together and do different things under the banner of a Jeet Kune Do concept, right? It's very nebulous, very difficult to 
to, to really define, which is why these, these guys have so much fun arguing oh, with each wow. other, right? Sometimes I, I go on Facebook and I just like, uh, I'll look at the, um, the JKD uh, concepts guys going at it, right? Mm. With the original JKD guys. And it's so funny because I'm just, I'm Michael Jackson eating the popcorn <laughs> there watching this, right? Okay. And I remember like there was a, a JKD concepts guy who's like really big on Facebook. And then he posted something which was kind of bitching about something some original JKD guy said, right? And then of course they go back and forth, right? And then I commented something like, again, like when do I chime in on these things? When I can kind of troll in a funny way. <laughs> I go, oh, I'm so happy this is going to be finally resolved. <laughs> All right? Okay. And then like one of them said like, oh, oh, what do you mean? You know, because it's like, they're so into it, they can't even yeah. see the humor of it. Oh, like. Man. You have an opinion, someone else has another opinion, they chime in, and then back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Mm -hmm. As if somehow, after 10 or 15 exchanges, they're going to go, you know what? I see your point. Mm. I have seen the error of my ways, all right? This house is clear, all right? And then they're going to suddenly go, uh, I have, I've seen the light and I've changed my idea. No, what do people do? When people bicker back and they forth in the tighter. comments, they hold on tighter. They double down. Mm. They go and they find ways to further strengthen their argument. And they're not actually listening to the other person. All right. And it's also possible to fully understand someone else's point of view and still not agree with it. But people aren't able to do that. They, they don't agree with it. And they profess not to fully understand it because it's wrong. You should be able to, if, if you really want to understand the, um, the points for your opinion, all right, for your side of the story, then you should be able to formulate in very clear English, if that's the language you speak, <laughs> all the points against your point of view. Okay? So as a Wing Chun practitioner, yeah. you know, as someone who believes that Wing Chun can be effective in self-defense and it's good martial art and it's helpful for people, I also can articulate all the the counter arguments, you know, the problems with Wing Chun or the problems with traditional martial arts. And Perhaps I can articulate those things better than some people who really hate Wing Chun. Mm -hmm. Because how will I really know? Uh, and I'm not talking about I need to know what the counterpoints are so I can counter those. I need to understand deeply from the perspective of someone who does not like Wing Chun, does not respect Wing Chun, or does not think it's effective. I have to put myself in that person's head mm -hmm. fully, openly, and honestly and go, what are the problems with Wing Chun here? take away your emotional attachment to it, take away any criticism of Wing Chun, any criticism of Wing Chun's ability to create emotional damage to me because I'm invested because I've been doing this and just be able to articulate. And then you realize it's not as emotionally damaging as you think it is. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just a perspective that oftentimes has valid points. It's just you want usually ignore the valid points and find some, find some around about argument to say that that point is not valid or it's not necessary or whatever. And you should you should be able to articulate these things very directly. And so I believe that in Wing Chun, but I also believe it in in anything else, political discourse, whatever. Like if someone doesn't agree with you, um, you know, you should be able to understand and articulate the points against your argument better than the person who actually makes those points. Because then you really understand it frontwards and backwards. And you find sometimes that no matter how good a side is, okay. there are points of concession. 
All right. Mm -hmm. You can totally believe that Wing Chun is one of the best and most effective martial arts, especially for yourself, and still recognize that there's some issues with traditional Wing Chun as it was taught. And that there are certain things that need to be updated, whether it's in the culture or in the techniques or in the way the training is set up. And that doesn't have to sour your love for Wing Chun at all. Okay. You know, it's like uh, it's a difference between loving something like a child and loving something like an adult. When you're a child, you look at your parents and you look at them as these people who can never make a mistake. You know, mom knows everything. Mm. Right. Dad knows everything. You know, older, they, they know they're like these flawless things. And then you get older and you realize, nah, they made mistakes. They didn't do this right. They messed this up here. But you still love them. Mm -hmm. mm, depends. Okay. I'm using a more broad example. <laughs> Obviously, they are counterpoints. But you see, like, the way, the way you, can still, you can still love someone or a spouse or someone that you're with or a long-term relationship or a friend and still recognize that they have issues, they have problems, you have problems, but that doesn't mean suddenly you can't love them anymore, right? But there are people that believe to criticize something means you don't like it. So what, like my Bruce Lee drug letters thing, all right? You have people like, oh, why are you putting all this hate about Bruce Lee? Dude, have you listened to any other episode I did about Bruce Lee? All right. Dude, I have had Matt Pauly and John Little on this podcast multiple times. Yeah. All right? I love those guys. I love Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's my whole life. So I can't uh -huh. talk about the fact that we found 50 letters where he's asking for drugs, including hardcore stuff. You're a Bruce Lee hater. Yeah, we can't talk about that. Dude, that happened. Okay, that happened. <laughs> oh, right. And you can't do the typical internet thing. Well, oh, how do you know these things are real? It's all fake. Because it's not a counter argument when you hear something unpleasant and you just say, oh, it's fake. How do you know it's real? Well, I mean, we know it's real because the Heritage Auction House authenticated these letters. Yeah, we don't, no, no, no. The Heritage Auction House is like a legitimate auction house. Yeah, of course. Is there a possibility that somehow they could be fake? Yeah, of course, anything could, right? But we don't have any real reason to believe that. Mm -hmm. um, so are we, and let's pretend for a moment that they are real, all right? Can we not still love Bruce Lee and realize that he did seem to have an ever worsening drug problem in the last two years of his life? Do we now, does that mean we don't like him if we admit that? Oh, does that man. take away anything from his accomplishments? Absolutely not. So there are people that think like if you love something or you like something, you can't say anything bad about it. You can only sing its praises. Mm -hmm. And that if you criticize something, that you are suddenly a hater or you're an apostate or you're, uh, you know, no true Scotsman, whatever, you know, say that thing about this style that they love, right? Yeah. And for me, I go, man, if you really love something, you have to see it for what it is, which includes the bad things. Yeah. If you choose to ignore those things, I think then it's your own ego involved and that's not real love. Real love means it's not about, it, it's this feeling that you love for this thing which is outside of you. When you feel that you cannot say certain things, that's your own ego there and that's not, in my opinion, that's not a true, fully uh, realized expression of love for something. So when we look at something like Jeet Kune Do, all right, of which I don't practice, but obviously I have a lot of experience with as someone who reads a lot about Bruce Lee and ha knows a lot of Jeet Kune Do people and has dabbled in Jeet Kune Do this or that from time to time, uh, I don't have any emotional attachment to it because it's, it's not the thing that's on the sign outside of my school. All right. So when I look, you know, to come back to this question in this long winding way, when I, when I look at the question is well, which one is correct i go i think bruce lee would have scrapped all of it wow. i think he would have thought that the original jkd guys are harping a little bit too much on what he did 
and what he was doing was in constant process. So if you're an original JKD guy that claims to be doing JKD as Bruce Lee did it, well, at Bruce Lee at what point? At Bruce Lee in 1967, mm -hmm. Bruce Lee in 72, 73. The, which Bruce Lee are you being faithful to? Because I think the Bruce Lee in 1967 was a bit different from the one from 1969. Mm, was different from evolved, the one in 1971. Yeah. We would hope that we would evolve. So I think that that's a little bit of a, of a red herring to say that you're doing something the way Bruce Lee did it. Because Bruce Lee was not someone who was very standardized in the way he did stuff. On the other hand, so for me, that's the, ar that's the argument against original Jeet Kune Do. All right. All right. But for it, I would understand why if you absolutely love Bruce Lee and you're a big Bruce Lee fan, it totally makes sense why you would want to do the stuff that Bruce Lee did. All right. Even if we separate the argument as to what's what's better in modern fighting or self-defense or whatever, you're a Bruce Lee fan. All right. And so just for that alone, you want to do what Bruce Lee did. You want to do his lead leg sidekick and his Paxel back fist <laughs> and all that kind of stuff because you freaking love Bruce Lee. Where's the damage in that? Mm. Where's the damage in that? You know what? Every single one of us, one day, is going to be dead. All right? Yeah. All right? I know you love it when I bring that up <laughs> no. to you. No. But the thing, and it's not to be morbid. Mm. All right? But you, you have to, to a certain degree, kind of think that, you know, at some point I'm not going to be around anymore. All right? And we don't know when that day is. That they can be tomorrow, that they can be 10 years from now, that they can be 34. You don't know how much time you have here. Because, because it, it, it's just like you're, you're invited to a party. And then at some random, you're having this great time at the party. And at some point, someone just taps you on the shoulder and says, it's time for you to leave. Mm. And it's not just time for you to leave. Everyone else is staying. Uh, you know what I mean? You're the only one getting kicked yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> but that's basically what our life is. Okay. And you don't know when that dude is going to tap you on the shoulder. Mm. So how much time are you going to spend devoted to uh, trying to justify the martial art you practice because other people don't think it's the right expression of what someone else did? Do you like practicing original Jeet Kune Do? Does it make you feel happy? Does it, does it spark joy like Maria Kanda? Yeah. Yes? And who the f*** cares what someone right. else thinks about it? Who the f*** gives a shit? All right? You like doing Wing Chun? All right? Does it make you happy? Do you enjoy practicing it? Do you like doing cheese out? Do you like the sparring? Do you like the lineage you do? All right. You like Leung Teng Wing Chun? You like Wong Sun Leung Wing Chun? You like Leung Sun Wing Chun? It makes you really happy. You get excited to go to it. Who the f*** cares what someone else says? Right. Because one day, you're going to be dead. And I doubt that 10 minutes, 10 seconds before you die, you're going to go, man, I just really should have articulated better the reason why I did the thing that I did. No. Dude, <laughs> enjoy it. And if you find something else you enjoy more, go do that. Because at one point, you're not going to be able to enjoy it. You're going to be too old to do any of that stuff. Mm. All right? You like Jeet Kune Do? You like Jeet Kune Do concepts? You want to do all the Filipino martial arts and the Kali stuff and maybe have some BJJ in there and that stuff really gets you going? You can do that. All right? You, you, like, you like Kung Fu, like traditional Choi Le Fat styles and Hong Kun and the cool uniforms and all the weapons yeah. and you see that stuff and you go, wow, do it. All right, you like jujitsu, the gi and the cauliflower ear and the wrestling and all yeah. that kind of stuff, and, and grappling tournaments or MMA or whatever, and that stuff gets you do it mm -hmm. and stop worrying so much about what someone else says about what you do. They're not you, you're not responsible to them. 
your mortality is the only thing that's real in this world. What you do moment to moment and the fact that you're not going to be around someday is the only thing that matters. Mm. And how do you live your life accordingly? And if you love it, you do it. And if you find ways to make it better, you do it better. And someone else comes in, well, actually, you know, learn Tang, his Wing Chun. Give us a fuck, all right? Give us a fuck, all right? Oh, you like learning Tang Wing Chun? Do it. You like Wong Sun Lang Wing Chun? You go do it. Just do it and enjoy it and be happy. And don't worry about what other people say. Joy. And fuck every single hater. Because the only person who would look at what someone else does and shit on it is someone who's not happy. There are YouTube channels that all they do is go and then criticize other people's Wing Chun. Okay? Like, what kind of unhappy f- do you need to be to make that your whole thing now I get it because when it comes to the algorithm yeah. if I did a bunch of videos like Sifu Alex Richter comments on so and so's Chi Sao you know somebody posts a video of Chi Sao and you know the Kung Fu genius to, you know uh, discusses so and so's Chi Sao and then you put a thumbnail where your head's like uh, like uh, this and the guy doing it there and then there's your million views right there it's cheap and it's easy and I don't care that the KFG episodes mm-hmm. get two, three thousand views per episode for the first few months I don't care I would rather have a much smaller audience that is interested in discussions than to go down that total rabbit hole of like, okay, the way I'm going to get more views is for me to just criticize other people. Because the thing is, what other people do in Wing Chun doesn't bother me, all right? I'm sometimes critical of some of the attitudes in Wing Chun, particularly on the more conservative end of like the really traditional guys who think that everything they're doing is correct and traditional and anything else that's changed is wrong. I, you know, we've talked about, I, I criticize that attitude all the time or people who don't have a healthy attitude towards sparring or people who are unnecessarily afraid of what, what, what BJJ and MMA means to Wing Chun without embracing it. You know, like I, I, I'm, I don't like that kind of attitude, but ultimately if someone wants to do super, super traditional Wing Chun, yeah. hey, if they're happy, why do I care? Yeah. All right. It's only if they decide to have a talking point about something that I might push back, but never particularly. Like, I'll just say, look, the, I don't feel this attitude is correct, right? But this idea that, you know, someone does some chi sao video, and go, oh, look, the tan sao shouldn't be like this. Oh, the hand should go forward if you do this. Why are you so overly concerned with what other people do? Especially other people who don't even care or know that you exist. Yeah. All right? It's like all this, like, super person. It's all this. It's like, you know, your fly is open. It's like your insecurity is showing. You might want to zip that up. All right? <laughs> So, the question oh, yeah. was about JKD, right? So, the correct one is JKD concepts. Oh. No, just fucking with you. Oh. <laughs> no, for me, Man. look, I'm not trying to skate or, or skate an answer. It's just, first of all, I have no skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it doesn't matter what I say. If someone practices Jeet Kune Do concepts and I said original JKD is the correct one, that person should not get butt hurt or vice versa. There is no answer. Do what you do and do what you love. And, and man, it cares what, who cares what people think? If, even if I say something in this podcast that you might not agree with or might make it feel like something you do is not who correct, gives a shit? Fuck it. Who yeah. cares what the KFG has to say? Dude, seriously, who gives a shit? Right. Right. All right, if I said something offhandedly about Wing Chun, something I don't like in Wing Chun, and that happens to be the way you do it at your school or whatever, and that makes you feel a little uncomfortable, who the fuck cares what I say? Yeah. All right, who cares? Seriously, just go like, oh, the KFG said this about this thing. I don't agree with it. It's okay to disagree with me. All right? You do not have to agree with me on every single point to be my friend. That doesn't seem to be the condition with other people. If you don't fully agree with them, 
they don't want to be your friend. You can disagree with me. I'm not your it's just the point. It's just the point when if, if if it's a if it's a talking point for you to be uh, to be an asshole, or you're just trying to do it for the sake of being provocative, right? Or I just find that you're just kind of personally kind of just a dick or something like that. I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to entertain what you have to say, uh, like some trolls on YouTube who keep trying to like say stuff about me. like I don't give dude I got two girls I care about my daughter I don't give a fuck about yeah. this kind of stuff so you practice JKD concepts good for you you practice original JKD concepts original JKD concepts <laughs> original JKD you practice original JKD yeah does anyone practice original JKD that concepts is, that's what that would be a happen. third option <laughs> that's all right happen. that would that's be the one that would be the one I do I don't to practice Dr. Eisen I don't practice he, I don't practice. He started. I don't practice JKD concepts. And I don't practice original JKD. I practice original JKD concepts. Oh right, all right. That I'm gonna trademark that before someone takes it. All right. So what else? You, what else you got? As a guy, I tell you, someone else who doesn't skate around the issue, Oscar Pistorius. Oh man. Wow. What's all this hate to Oscar Pistorius, <laughs> man? All right. Why? What are you gonna start did, throwing shade at OJ Simpson next? What did What's he do going to on? you? Nah, I know. So, seriously. That's so. 2000. Um, I was going to say, I really, you should say how you really feel, KFG, because the way you just <laughs> beat around the bush there. Oh, you know what I mean? Just All right. skirting the issue. Anyway, let's go. All right. Hey, Kung Fu Genius listeners. Are you a fan of Wing Chun Kung Fu? Well, if you listen to me, I assume you are. I got great news for KFG fans. Right now, you can get an all-access, one-month free trial subscription to Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Yes, I said free. Go to WCINewsstand.com and register in the upper right-hand corner. Fill out your email and password and use the code KFGTRIAL to get your free trial to all the issues from 2011 to the current issue. That's right, all the issues. Even the one with this cool guy on the cover. That's me for those of you listening to us on audio. My Kung Fu Genius column is also in all the new issues as if you needed another reason to get this awesome magazine. Go get your free trial subscription today. For all that information, check out the description below. And now back to me. All right, next up, we got Dreisen. Are you kidding me? I can't do. I scrolled wow. down and I saw Dryzen and I was like, "Oh shit!" He's I love how he love this. scrolled down. Scrolled I, down. He didn't even touch his I computer screen. I scrolled down and I was so like, "Ooh!" You ever see those videos of those DJs that like pretend to DJ? Yeah, That's but they you, they just have a Mac in front of them with an already set playlist. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, Someone's got like the camera and they, you just see oh, them doing all the things above the mixer. Oh goodness! That's you That's, with, the, with the questions. With the you questions. Do that. Yeah. He's a fake, fake DJ. DJ. <laughs> Which is funny because when we were in Hong Kong, you were DJ Dre. We used yeah. to go DJ Dre, 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 Dre. Every every morning, he'd play music. We'd have all this loud music oh, in, in the Airbnb. It was the, great. Yeah. Wake up the, the yeah. yeah. Man, and we talked about it in the last couple episodes. I really, really hope oh. August 2023, <gasps> if the restrictions are lifted for travel into Hong Kong for foreigners, we are definitely mm. doing a KFG mm. Hong Kong tour. And mm. I think I said it would only take 12. I think I might take 15 because now I might have some assistants coming with me to help me. So I might be able to take a bigger group. Maybe we take 20 people, 15 off. people, something like that. Yeah. And it'll be basically a seven-day tour of Hong Kong. Of course, you're welcome to stay longer. I'm probably going to be in Hong Kong for longer than seven days. Okay. But the actual tour itself would be seven days. And I will have a package for you guys, um, you know, to, to, to join on that stuff. So if you want to yeah. do it, there'll be like a, an inclusive package. Obviously not flights and, and uh, like flights you got to take care of yourself because I don't know where people are coming from, right? Okay. But I'll have a package which will include like the tour and martial arts training and things like that. 
And if you need help with accommodations, we'll probably come up with something too. But yeah, a lot of people want it. And I'm not just saying that like, oh, a lot of people want to do it. I'm just yeah. trying to drum up some, like literally the comments, the messages, like uh, we mentioned it a couple times about doing a KFG trip to Hong Kong and people really, really dig it. Hong people really Kong want to do it. So that, that, that appetizing, uh, yeah, I mean, especially too. for Kung Fu and Bruce mm -hmm. Lee heads, right? But also, as you know, having gone to Hong Kong with yeah. me, I mean, like, you know, yeah. there's no better tour guide of Hong Kong. I'll show you stuff that the, even the locals don't know, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, again, people keep asking about that, right? And the thing is, it's not up to me, all right? Because if uh, Hong Kong still has a mandatory three to five day quarantine time on foreigners coming in, well... No one is going to go to Hong Kong on a KFG trip and then want to spend five days in a hotel room not leaving. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's not really up to me. If these restrictions are lifted, then um, we will definitely do it next year. And then what I'm going to do is it'll be like seven days. And then like every day we have some Wing Chun training in the morning. And then there'll be optional fitness training if people want to do that. And then every day we're going to do something different. One day, you know, we were in Jordan and Yaomate and Mong Kok. And, and the other day we go to Hong Kong Island. And then I take you to Bruce Lee stuff and Wing Chun stuff. And then we mm -hmm. go to new territory, see Grandmaster Eat Man's Grave, go see some movie locations, um, do some training with Maxifu, you know, like... Like all the Kung Fu movie, Bruce Lee, Yip Man, Wing Chun stuff you would want. And then regular training with me as well. So I'll put the packages together. I'll <laughs> set everything up. And the moments we know anything about the quarantine restrictions and stuff like that, I'll pull the trigger on that. We'll pull it. Uh, we'll put it online so people can register it for ASAP because I'm really only going to take... I really want to take about 15 people. I don't want that group to be too unmanageable, but I will have some assistants now, who, some people who've volunteered their time because they basically just want to come to Hong you Kong. Know, one of my regrets? Yeah. What? Not being able to take advantage of those prices for the kicks out there. And uh, what's the street? The shopping street? Oh, in sne the, Sneaker yeah, Street. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, no, if you, prices. That's some great prices. Yeah, oh, you get some God. good deals on tigers. Yeah, some good deals oh. on sneakers over there. Yeah, oh. yeah, Hong Kong's got some really good shopping. I mean, you have to kind of know where to go. Everything is getting more and more expensive, mm. and brand name stuff in Hong Kong is more expensive than over. You can do that shopping here a little bit, but some things like sneakers and things like that, if you know where to go, you can get really good deals. And and obviously, if you want Chinese stuff. That's where you go, and you want to get Lake Oman shirts, and yeah. you want to get like oh, a, that's know, another thing yeah. I didn't get to take yeah, advantage of. Yeah, so we'll of. do it next time. So we'll do it next Man time. Shirts. All right. So what else you got? Oh, we got we didn't get to the Dreisen. Oh, jeez, man, I was hoping you'd forget. Yeah, you that was go where? Yeah, I know. I was like, I was like let, let me talk about something really quick and say lots of very complicated words. But he's and, here. He's right here. Oh, yeah, he's right here. I'm looking. He's yeah. definitely right there. <laughs> he's definitely, he's definitely yeah, right there. All right, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Well, Dryzen is asking a non-hypothetical. He says, had Bruce Lee still been alive? Wait a minute. A non-hypothetical. I don't know Bruce why Lee still he wrote been that. Alive? I don't know Wait why he wrote that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't he know why said, he would write that. Here comes a non-hypothetical. Had I Bruce guess, Lee still been alive? I guess he meant a non-typical Dryzen hypothetical. A non-typical. Wow. Because I haven't finished Did he reading. Write that? Did yeah. he write that? I have not yeah. finished reading. Yeah. Man. Let me finish reading and see what, what yeah, I mean, he's going with this. All due respect to the late Sifu Wong Sulung, who was the king of talking <laughs> with the hands. Yeah. Dreisen is the king of talking out of his ass. Yeah. All right. Woo. Uh, had Bruce Lee had still been alive, what would he be? Would he be a Johnny Walker black guy or a Johnny Walker red guy? What kind of... First of all, I don't know dick about alcohol, all right? 
Did Bruce I, Lee know about alcohol? Uh, so was he a drinker? What was oh, his drink of choice? So there were rumors that Bruce Lee was kind of a. Did he even drink Johnny Walker? No, that he that he w- was not into drinking at all. What do they call him? A, a tea teetotal? Well, you can't be teetotal if you're doing drugs. Yeah, but yeah. A, oh. apparently, be, what, what is it called? Teetotaler? Yeah, teetotaler, yeah. Teetotaler, right? What the, the hell is a teetotaler? That's someone like who doesn't drink, all right? That's a term? Yeah, I guess it's something. Is that a slang term? Because I never heard no, this. No, no, no. No one's actually, ever called me this when I was a non No, that's actually a real word. Yes, yes, word. Yes, yes, uh, teetotaler. Yeah, I'm currently teetotal, for instance. Right, teetotal. Teetotal. It's one yeah, word. What does that mean? Sorry. It just means you, you, you don't drink you don't totally take... tea? No, 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 no. It just means you, you just abstain from those kind of things, right? Yeah. Um, so there, there was a rumor that that was basically that Bruce Lee was like that, but it seems oh. that, uh, and I know this. I've seen some receipts from Bruce Lee's, you know, going out to going out to eat and stuff like that in Hong Kong. Um, it definitely seems he did like to drink. I think he liked to drink some sake, and it's also possible that he didn't really drink much early on, but uh, in, but in Hong Kong, in Hollywood, no more like in Hong Kong mm. that he started to drink a little bit more. All right, so I wouldn't say that he was like an ant, like an, he was totally against drinking alcohol. I would just say that he it probably was something he either didn't do at all or didn't do very often, and then did it a little bit more at the time of his death. So it's like a not social drinker. Yeah, I mean that the problem is that people are always like, well, either he drank or he didn't drink, right? And it's like, well, I mean, you know, the, the things can kind of scale up slowly a little bit, and also don't forget he had a very short life. Mm-hmm. So, so you're looking. You're, and everything in Bruce Lee, you're looking at a graph going like this and then stopping suddenly. Yeah. Okay. Boom. All right. So, so it might seem like a lot because of the span of his lifetime or because he had reached a peak at the time of his death, but you don't know where that would have gone afterwards. So you have, I mean, you, you have, cannot say anything about that. Okay. So, um, and then me personally, I have, I have spent most of my life as a non-drinker. Mm. much to the chagrin of my German beer drinking dad. All right. Oh, I think my dad always wanted me to be like, you know, the son <laughs> that he could drink a beer with, you yeah. know what I mean? Because, you know, my dad is German and, and my dad can drink. He can drink a, yeah. uh, uh, someone, he can drink Mikey Dean under the table. He can, but you know, I, I mean, I've, I've very rarely with the exception of, <sighs> teetotaler. you know, with the exception of like a couple parties, like a couple of my dad's big birthday parties growing up. You had a sip. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I rarely ever saw my dad drunk. Like oh, just gotcha. on like the biggest of parties, a little what you would, I guess you would call tipsy. Mm-hmm. But I think my dad, the amount of beer he could drink would probably kill you and I. And he doesn't even <laughs> have any effect, right? right? You, know, you know what that means? What? He was drunk all the time. He was drunk all the time, right? <laughs> uh, which reminds me of a certain uh, former student of mine, right? But uh, maybe that's a... St- <laughs> Maybe that's a story oh, for another day, right? We can't go into uh, that. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, KFG like you know, but the difference three. is like you know, growing up, you know, for Europeans it's no big deal, but for Americans you have this ridiculous drinking age of twenty-one, and mm-hmm. and you know, in most other places you can drink either at eighteen or sometimes even younger, and so, but in our household, because my father was German, drinking was not like a big deal. As I, as I was, you know, growing up, it was always assumed like if I wanted to have a beer with dinner at home, I could have one if I wanted to. And if I wanted to, you know, when my parents had a party, if, if, if I wanted to try a drink or something like that, I can do it. So it was very healthy, very like in moderation, not something I had to like sneak around to get drinks and wow. get drunk with it. So I think also the fact that I was able to do it kind of killed 
the whole thing because mm-hmm. I think a lot of kids drink because it's kind of bad and secretive, yeah. right? And my parents kind of my parents kind of use reverse psychology where it like <laughs> wasn't a big deal, and then I end up not really being into alcohol at all. Okay. Because then when I finally tried it, I was like, this tastes like shit. Why would I want to drink this? I'd rather drink, you know, iced tea or something yeah. like that, right? You think your dad snuck you a, a sip of beer while you were a baby or something? A no, toddler? I don't know about that. Yeah. But what my mom did with me growing up is she did what every Cuban mom does. You know, I started drinking coffee, coffee. at a very early yeah, age, yeah. right? We had, you know, the Cubans, we drink just like Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. We have uh-huh. cafe con leche. Cafe con right? leche. And that's, you know, just literally coffee and milk. Yeah. And what do you do with the young kids? You put this little tiny sliver of coffee and the rest of it is milk with a little oh, bit of sugar. Wow. And then and then as you Yeah, and then as you get older, the amount of oh, coffee wow. increases and the milk decreases until you get that uh, you know, like it's about twenty to thirty percent coffee and the rest is milk. All right, that's mm. like a proper cafe con leche, but you know, you scale up to that, right? And my mom started me, I think she said when when I was eight, right? Which is like ridiculous because like, I, you know, I talk to other parents, I'm like, what? And this yeah. is real Cuban coffee. This is like espresso. This is like the real, you know, put, put a hair on your throat yeah. kind of yeah. stuff, right? Uh. And, and so as a result, as an adult, I can, I can down five coffees in one day and like fall asleep within 10 minutes. Like caffeine, <laughs> caffeine does not no really effect. have any effect to me, right? Uh, so, you know, so the thing with, with, beer is like I never really acquired a taste for it however in the last few years mm-hmm. I started I, I've, I've been trying to be a little bit more social with drinking um, so I drink I've seen this I, I drink beers now I've all right I don't like I don't like hard alcohol I'll yeah. drink a beer and wow. I'm such a lightweight when it comes to alcohol like one beer if I drink one beer if I drink a bottle of beer fast uh-huh. just right. one bottle of beer I'm already I'm already at, like my my tolerance for alcohol is extremely weak. Oh. So um, you know I, I that's I guess we've had a oh. celebration not too long ago the ITC uh, celebration at the end of the week. Yeah, with, uh, Mike Yan was here. That's right. We both had a beer. That's right. We did. And we I, did. I rarely drink beer. Yeah, you had a so, beer as well. Yeah, yeah. I had one of those oh, like God. what was it? Blue Moon or something with the orange? Was it? Was yeah, it I don't remember. Glass glass no, no, it was a it was a German style, like a he, like type Blue of a grapefruit hefeweizen. Yeah, like so so the thing is, I, I I don't really know that much about beer. All mm-hmm. I know is that most American beer tastes like horse piss. <laughs> All right. Oh, and God. like, I mean, I, I one time took a sip of a Budweiser and it just felt like it tasted like sewage. It's horrible. But, but yeah, and I, I always remember my dad. My dad is very German. I mean, his name is Manfred. Mm-hmm. I just remember as a, like growing up, my dad would always make fun of American beers because he's German and uh-huh. he, he drinks mostly German beer, but he drinks other imported beers from other countries, but mostly European beers. Oh, goodness. And then my dad used to, someone, people would be like, hey, uh, Manfred, you want a Budweiser? And he would always say, it's brewed through a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and I never quite understood that because I always thought of like a brewery going through a horse until I realized a bunch of, oh, it's yeah. just, it just tastes like horse piss. Yeah. That's the whole thing, right? And then I horse. once tried to, because I, I, I started drinking beer a little bit, let's say 10 years ago. I would have yeah. like a beer and it took me a little while to get used to it. And I was like, oh, let me try a Budweiser. And I, tried, I was like, oh, no, this really is disgusting. Really disgusting. But I anyway. remember even but having a Budweiser. As far as like the very limited selection of beers that I know about. Uh-huh. All right. I don't really know anything about hard alcohol. So I can't answer this Johnny Walker question because right. I've never had it. You've never had Johnny Walker. No. And what is, you don't is know that, if is, Bruce is, Lee is, is, that, is that whiskey? What is that? 
it is whiskey. Okay, so I, I, not, I don't think I've ever had a I'm not I, a Johnny don't, Walker I don't think expert. I've ever drank whiskey before. Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. third option. There's a Johnny Walker Blue. Johnny Walker Blue. What do you think? Would oh. he be a blue, black, or red guy? Or gold? I mean, definitely a gold guy. You think he's a gold guy? Nah, it's a blue Gold guy. standard. He's the gold standard, but he's... Well, actually, Shelton Benjamin is the gold standard, but... Um, <laughs> see, you find out all the stuff you didn't know about people. I don't know any. Anyway, Who is Shelton Benjamin. I think, I think we got to keep it a little more topical because oh. we've been talking about beer for 10 minutes. <laughs> beer and Johnny Walker. And alcohol, yeah. Well, so well, I don't know. Yeah, me neither. No, blue. Yeah. Johnny Walker blue. That's what yes. he would do. That's what he, he would do. He was the gold standard mm-hmm. of what he did. Oh. I wonder what Bruce Lee would think about pot being legal all over the place now. <laughs> Because <laughs> that was kind it. of his thing, right? You could buy that it. stuff everywhere. You would love this shit. Yeah. You would eat it up. Yeah, literally. You can <laughs> get whatever you want. The fact that New York cocaine sucks. Mm. As far as I've heard, I wouldn't possibly know. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, next up, we got Ricky Masca. All right, here we go. All right. He's a real person. Hey, I like KFG. I like how he has to say it's a real crew. person of the two fake ass people as no, fake ass That's what you were insinuating. Yeah, no, oh, I didn't insinuate anything. All right, that's, that's in your, your own head. Tone, your tone right. to head up. Like, Stop projecting, Dre. Uh, yeah, I know. Stop projecting. <laughs> you protest too much. All right, let's go. Hey, KFG. No. Why does this even sound like it's a fake question? All right, let's go. No, read it. Read it. <laughs> he wrote have. He wrote have, and I okay, almost right. read have. Okay. Okay. And crew. Awesome episode as always. Episode 84. Awesome. Shout out to episode four. 84. Which one was 84? What was that about? It was Mickey? the one before 85. Let's yeah. go. I have a question for a future episode. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Maybe episode 117. Yeah, probably by the time this comes out. <laughs> if Yip Man was alive today, would you have him on the podcast? If so, what would you ask him? Wow. Well, I love, I mean, I love wow. this episode. It's so great. I know. Even the legit question was a hypothetical. <laughs> First, it was a hypothetical from Dr. Eisen. Then it was Dreisen saying it's not a hypothetical and then asking a hypothetical. And then it's a normal dude asking a hypothetical. Okay. This, episode hypothetical is hypothetical. Episode. this is the hypothetical, yeah, hypothetical episode. episode. It's a hypothetical episode. Oh, God. Um, okay. That- so, if I could have Yip Man as a podcast guest, all right? <laughs> wow! So, he has, he's you would still have alive. Have he's like, what, 120 something years yeah. old? How old is he, Subtitles. Right? Yeah, you'd have to have subtitles, which would suck for the people who listen to us on audio. Oh, uh, yeah, true, all right? true. Yeah. And, uh... Maybe a translator. No, I'd, I'd do it in an English accent. Oh, you know, yes. Like you would translate BBC. Yip Man for us. No, I wouldn't translate. I'd just read the translation. Mm-hmm. Oh. In a very, very dour would you, English accent. Oh, yeah. You want it all Yes, yes. Bit? Very RP. You know, you someone... See, you see, someone? Sifu Alex, the thing I thought about the Emin Bostepi oh, William no. Chung fight... Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> That's you what know, I would ask him. I would someone, ask him... Someone uh, asked me, uh, was, what, 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 what do you think about the Emin Bostep William Chug fight? Because oh that seems God. to be the only thing people want to ask me about. He's so great. Yeah. No, someone asked me earlier, was Mikey Dean uh, British or Australian? How dare <laughs> And I can't say who yeah, it was. Which everyone knows he's New Zealand from New Zealand, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, there you go. Yeah. Right. We're not going to have a Commonwealth so we'll for much have longer. So it's New Zealand good. subtitle or New Zealand subtitles. Translation. Jesus Translated Christ. by Hobbit. Yes. Oh God. Okay. So uh, if I could have Yip, Yip Man as a uh, as a podcast guest, wow. um, so again, well, it's, it's a weird hypothetical. What would you it's ask like, him? 
the, the, like if podcasts existed at the time he was around or if he's somehow Ooh. pushed to the future or is he still old and he's like in his 120s now at this nah. point, right? Let's, let's go with the, uh, the healthy, young, vibrant, healthy, he travels through a, a Dreisen time machine to okay. the future and right. he's about 60. Say no, no, no. We we want to we want to get him a little closer oh, to the little, end of his life because oh, because yeah? we want to get him when he already wow. knows that Bruce Lee is famous because okay. that's the and stuff he's talking I to know. a mic that translates him. Okay, so everything is perfect, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> there would be a bunch of questions I want. I mean, I would. You know what's weird? It's a hypothetical, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> but it's but in so my in my great. mind's eye, yeah, I go, wow, mm. that would. That, that would be amazing. Mm. Can you imagine that? Mm. We have him here. He's, he's, come, he's come forward to the future. Mm. Somehow we've gotten him to chill out and not freak out about the, the, the fact that he, a moment ago, was in early 70s Hong Kong, yeah. and now he's in 2022 yeah. New York City. It's like we, we sent Dreisen to go get him. And yeah, bring him. And, and, and Dreisen spoke Cantonese to him and chilled him out and, <laughs> and explained to him everything like this, and he could come and see the school in New yeah. York. I think that would be mind-blowing for him, right? That's but let's say, okay, we got, uh, Yip Man has got over the existential dread of, mm. of being pushed 50 years into the future. Um, yeah, because think about it. He would be pushed so far in the future. I mean, his eldest son is in his 90s now. Mm. So he would come 50 mm. years in the future and his eldest son, Yip Chun, would still be alive and would be yeah. older than him. And Yip Cheng passed away. Wow. And Yip, Yip Siwa, his youngest son, was also, well, had also passed away, right? Mm. So, I mean, like, you know, there would be a number of, like, uh, mental health hurdles that would have needed to be overcome. Yeah. But let's just say... Like the time when you woke up and had no, exactly. no drawers on exactly. in that room. <laughs> exactly. Right? Which was the least of my worries in that hypothetical, right? All right, right. Uh, so, so, let's say we're able to solve all the issues of, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, we have Yip Sifu here. Let's say we can tell him that we're going to send him back. All right, so like everything's gonna be cool. This is just a temporary. We, we, you know, this is some just kind for of, the podcast. It's just for the podcast, yeah. right? We put together the funding. We got the time machine. We got you here, so on and so mm -hmm. forth. Um, that would be a very long podcast. Wow. All right, I would make sure I had all the dim sum and cookies wow. he wanted. All right, would we make I would, it alive? I would give him a no. I would give him because they because there would no doubt be things he didn't want to talk about publicly. Ooh. And, and I want him to feel that he could be totally open and frank. Um, and so I would, would get him. Would make it I like would, a five-parter? Yeah, I would get him a nice lazy boy chair, like, oh, a, like a massage sick. chair, right? You could sit in, chill out, get food, have some ladies come in and give him a neck rub. And like, you know, just make sure that he's what? well taken care of. Well taken care of. You've never so he done does, that for me. He's not worth it. All right? <laughs> and just make sure. Just make sure that he's, he's, of you, he's doing fine. Me. Yeah, that's about all you got. That's all right? So, uh, <laughs> so just make sure, one, he's really comfortable. He's at ease. He knows that, you know, we're not trying to make him feel uncomfortable or anything like that. And just be like, look, your martial art that you brought has become this worldwide thing because of your student, but also because of you. I mean, Wing Chun is not just popular because of Bruce Lee. He might have been the spark, but, you know, to a certain degree, many of his students, whether it's Wong Sun Leung or... Lot Yu, Tai Song Tin, Leung Song, Leung Teng, Moyat, any of these guys, Ho Kam Ming, all these guys have gone on to do things and to create their own legacies. Mm. And he was the one who kind of started that. He was the, he was you know, the prover proverbial pebble that dropped in the middle and caused the ripples to yeah. make its way all the way to the edge of the lake, right? Oh, so, um, dope analogy. 
it would be like, okay, so we all have questions, you know, because, you know, now we are relying on secondhand stories and hearsay and so-and-so said this, the other guy said that. And like, so, you know, the Wing Chun world, which loves you and admires you and respects you, you know, we, we feel we, we, we would like to know the answers to certain questions so that maybe we can get over some of the political bickering between the different factions. Maybe we can get over some of the arguments about the historicity of certain claims or the origins of certain techniques and stuff like that. Um, that, would be, uh, that would be kind of like this, this idea to just take him and kind of clarify everything, right? I also think it would blow his mind. Imagine if he were, just, just think for a moment. You go in the mind of Yip Man for a second, right? Okay. And he's now here in 2022, here at City Wing Chun in New York. Yeah. And he sees this photo of him on the dummy, right? That Tang Sang took, right? And he was very upset about that in the 60s because he didn't want oh. those photos to be shown openly because that was like a private collection. Here, now these photos are in the open in New York City for all the guaylos to look at, <laughs> all right? But you know, yeah. and then he would see the photos of Bruce Lee, and, and he would almost be like, "How'd you get a hold of that?" Because those were photos in Bruce Lee's private collection, and now they're like on the wall here in 2022, and that was a private collection of Tang Sang. But you know, it would also totally blow his freaking mind that Donnie Yen Yipman poster right there. Because look, <laughs> because look in Chinese, yeah, that's his name. So he would come in and he was Yipman, his name in Chinese, and he would see some actor that he had never heard of before standing there and then realize they made movies about him. Wow. I mean, can you imagine how mind-blowing that? It wouldn't just be like, hey, your great-grand student from the future wants to ask you some questions. Mm. He would come into the school and see multiple movie posters of actors who have played him. People who were like children if they were even born at the time that he, he died. All right, most of them, I think, were at least uh, babies or children when he was away. But, you know, these would be like, like who are these people? Yeah. They're playing you. And these movies were a huge hit. Donnie Yen, his career was almost nothing until he played Yip Man. Yip Man mm. was what revived. Donnie Yen is the biggest star in Asia right now because of the Yip Man movie. Before that, he was, yeah, he did SPL and he did a couple other movies. But, like, Yip Man made Donnie Yen. Yeah. Yeah, All right? Because before then, he before. was really just considered a second-tier Hong Kong actor, right? I mean, he had been doing movies since the 80s, but he was just another, he was like a B-level guy. And now, Don Yen is like one of the highest, he's, dude, he's in Rogue One, he's in Star Wars. I mean, yeah. that's legit, right? So you have to imagine how like kind of odd that would be for Yip Man to see all these things and to see these, the, you know, what has gone on with his legacy and like how all these things have kind of advanced and see the poster of him and yeah. everything like that, right? And then I would, I would take time to kind of go through everything in phases. Um, the first things I would ask him is I would ask him about his family. Because we know like the names of his parents and we know like about his brother and his sister. We know, we know like the who's who. But like, tell me about your dad. Wow. What was your dad like? How did he make all of his money? Yes. Where were his businesses? Who was his dad? Did your father do martial arts? Did he have any interest in martial arts? What did your mom? What was your mom like? What was your family? Uh, uh, what was your home life like? You know, what, um, you know, what was your schooling like? What made you interested in martial arts? Like, we know you got interested in Wing Chun, but did you see martial arts before that and already have an interest in it? And what was that? What was, you know, I have that story. I saw Enter the Dragon and fell in love with Bruce Lee in martial arts, right? Yeah. Well, what was Yip Man's one? Like, did Yip Man see a fight? Did Yip Man see a performance? What was the thing that made him go, wow, martial arts? Or was it him seeing Tan Ma Sun for the first time? Or did he already have that spark? Tell me. What was your motivation? 
All right, how did this come to be? And then when you started learning from Chan Ma-san, what was that like? Did he really not want to take you as a student? Did you really have to pay all this extra money for him to accept you? What did he teach you? What was your first lesson like? Mm. How did the lessons continue after that? How old was he or how old were you when he passed away? At what point did you really start learning from Eun Chung So? And then when you went to Hong Kong, did you really learn from someone named Leung Pek? You know, and go with, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, Yip Si Vu, can you explain to me what the difference between what Leung Bik taught you compared to what you learned from Eun Chung So compared to what Chan Ma Shen? Can you, can you explain some of the differences? How did that change you? All right, did this fight really happen? Did this thing really happen? Okay, now you go back to China. Okay, uh, why did you not want to teach Wing Chun besides the fact that you had, you know, means and stuff like that? Was there a reason? Did you still, how did you keep your Wing Chun practice up when you weren't teaching it? Right. All right. Uh, did you have fights in that time? Did you really have this fight where you, you, know, you, you held the, the, um, the revolver, the gun, you held the chamber and yeah. the guy couldn't launch the, the you know, couldn't shoot the bullet? Like, did that really happen? You know, what was your story about you being a police officer? What was the story about you having to leave China? All right. When you physically left Fatsan and went to Macau first before you went to Hong Kong, how did you do that? Did you walk? Did you take a train? Did someone take you there? Who was that? How did you get over the border? You know what I mean? Like these, like, I want to know all this stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you imagine like the average person, would go, yeah, which way do I do bongs or whatever? No, no, no. I want to, I'll, first, before I ask him a single technical question, I want to know about Yip Man. Mm-hmm. I want to tell, tell me what your life was like. Tell me what it was like to be born in the Qing dynasty. Tell me what it was like to see all of that change. What was the turmoil of the early Republic period like when you were in China, when you came to Hong Kong? How did, how did you really decide to teach Wing Chun? Was it really Li Man kind of begging you to go teach at the restaurant union? Is that really how it happened? Because, you know, these are the stories we hear. These are the stories we're told. But, you know, there's always more to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's never quite as simple as these black and white monolithic stories that are told 50 years old. Li Man saw Yip Man sweeping at Wong Dai Xin Temple and then say, hey, Yip Si Vu, why, why don't you teach Wing Chun? This, this is not dignified work for you to do. I can, we can open a Wing Chun class, yada, yada. Is that really how it happened? Was there something else? All right. Was there another? So what was the other? What was the martial arts scene like when you started? Who were the, were you friends? What seafoods were you friends with? All right. And which ones did you not trust? Which ones did you have issues with? You know, what happened between, you know, Wong Sun Leung and that there was a story it was either against the Bak Bay guys or the Southern Mantis guys. There was some shit that happened. Right. Tell me, what was that shit? What happened? What was your, what was your story? How, how did I go there? You know, and then ask him stories about people that have told me stories like my good friend the late Chan Chiman right you know like he told me about how he met Yiman hey Yip Sivu do you remember how Chan Chiman started coming to your class and have have the story from his perspective like how Chan Chiman didn't even know that he was learning from Yip Sivu until later remember you know because yeah, they, yeah he didn't even know that that was Yip Man because it's Choi Le Fatsi's oh you're doing Wing Chun you should do Wing Chun from Yip Man he's the best and then he goes back to Yip Man. He says, oh, my Sifu said I should learn from Yip Man. And William Chung's like, that is Yip Man that you're learning from, you idiot. <laughs> um, but can you imagine, like, Chan Chi Man told me that story. Wow. I want to I hear Yip Man tell that story from his perspective. Mm. Right? And mm. then, you know, um, what was it like when Wong Sun Leung started fighting the other styles? And, like, you know, I know you were probably happy because they were going up. But did this cause stress between you and the Sifus of other styles and things like that? And, you know, what are the other stories there? And what's the story with, you know, your... Your, your kind of side chick that was over there, you know yeah, what I mean? And, yo. you know, and like see how deep he would be willing to let me kind of ask those questions. 
in addition to eventually I'm going to ask him about, hey, Yipsivu, you know, what, how is this done in the Mokyanjong or whatever, right? But the thing is, the last thing I would do is like, oh, Yipsivu, oh, can you show me the Buji form, whatever. He would just be like, dude, leave me alone. <laughs> no, no, tell me your story. Yeah. And then everything he would, this is just me spitballing, right? Can you imagine if I prepared this? Ooh. And then he would answer something and then that would spark something and be, wait, well, what about this? And then we'd go into this one here and then we'd go into this one here. Such you know, a rabbit hole. And, yeah. and, and just kind of keep going until you're able to kind of un, un, you know, open up all of these layers and find out all this. I want to know the story behind the story. Mm -hmm. Tell me about Tiu Wan. Tell me about Li Man. Tell me about Leung Sung. Tell me about Wong Sun Leung. Tell me about your sons coming in the 60s. Tell me about Leung Tang. Tell me about this. Even if these things are not always positive or whatever, tell me about these things. I want to hear what you have to say about it. You know? And, and wh what do you feel about, you know, foreigners learning Tell me about Tang Sung. Tell me about Tang Sung and all this kind of stuff and the mm. formation of the Wing Chun Athletic Association and, and oh, you knew Quan Ta King. What was your relationship like yeah. with Quan Ta King? Like, wow. like, I want to know all of this stuff. I don't think I would, if I had the chance to go back in time or yeah. Yip Man would come here and I had the chance, I don't think I would, I think he would get sick of me because <laughs> he'd be like, how does this guy know all of this like weird yeah. shit? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh, you also knew Sekin. You know, mm. like Han from Enter the Dragon. Because there are photos of them water. together. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah. tell me, like, how did you first meet Sakin? And what do you think about him? And, like, did you know anything about his relationship to Bruce Lee or his father, Lei Hoi Chun? How did, did you really know Lei Hoi Chun? Because some people say they knew each other and, and uh, maybe they went to the same opium dens or something mm. like that. Bruce Lee's mm. father, Lei Hoi Chun, and Yip Man, which is supposedly how Bruce Lee was introduced to Yip Man. But did you really know Bruce Lee's father? Wow. Were you close to him? Did you guys really do this? Like, if he would be open and honest, holy cow. The questions I would ask him just to find out, you know, in, 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 in Chinese cultures, maybe not polite to ask some of those questions, right? But we're just, this is all hypothetical anyway. In a hypothetical world where he would be open and honest, mm -hmm. um, I got a lot of stuff to ask him. And that's all I got to say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. And as always, if you have any questions for me to answer on a future episode, go ahead and write them in the comments below. Don't forget to like this episode, subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius, hit that bell for notifications. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a Kung Fu Genius. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung. And I produce masters. You surpassed us. Your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor. Sometimes when we have those episodes where we don't really have much of a plan, they end up being good. But I have a feeling it's just gonna suck. Okay, ready. Yeah, ah. Wrong and boy, Jesus. Wait. Uh, All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius. Wait, let me get the mic right. <laughs> well done. Bastards. I'm gonna kill you, Dre. <laughs> I'm gonna watch Dre. No, ASMR. Okay, let's go. No, that's not ASMR. I mean, that's ASSMR. ASSMR. Okay. All right. Let's keep it together. It's been a long day. We've been here. We've been at City Wing Chun for way I too long. I keep seeing me. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's go. Tasting it. Hey, what the? All right, let's go. In. Just go, Dre. That's what's up. Oh! Yo. Yeah. Bing. Pow.
Oh, 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 oh,